The fourweekmba.com is a leading resource of business insights. Top business schools around the world reference to it as the go-to place for business insights. Now it's podcast. Digital business models will break down for you how tech companies make money, what value propositions they offer, why they are successful, and what they're doing next. From Amazon, Google, Facebook, and many others, the Digital Business Models Podcast will give you the top business education you need to understand the digital business world. Whether you're an entrepreneur, an executive, or wanting to be an entrepreneur, the Digital Business Models Podcast is your go-to place for your business education. For today's session, I'm here with uh, Barry O'Reilly, which is a business advisor, entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and is the author of an amazing book, which is called uh, Unlearn. And actually, is also the, the author of uh, Lean Enterprise. But today, we're going to focus more on the topic of unlearning, which is which has become very, very important. So, thank you for uh, joining me for this conversation, Barry. Oh, it's great to be here. Yep. So, uh, let's start from actually uh, your um, uh, your journey. How did you get into the study, research, and practice of unlearning? Well, what I was doing um, after we wrote Lean Enterprise, I was coaching a lot of senior executives and business leaders in uh, scaling up startups or large organizations about how to create high-performance organizations to innovate at scale. And one of the things I constantly came up against was while uh, learning new things was hard, the significant inhibitor to helping people, especially high-performance individuals, get better was not their ability to learn new things. It was their inability to unlearn their existing mindsets, behaviors, and methods that were once effective, but now we're starting to limit their success. So it was very interesting to me because a lot of the behaviors that make these people very successful, when they try to take the next step, some of them can actually be inhibitors to taking that step and succeeding. And, and a simple example might be, you know, if you can imagine when you were just a contributor in a team, say you were a software engineer and you, you were really great at writing code and you used to come into work and you'd write code all day. And then you were great at that, very competent. So you suddenly started to be, have to manage other people uh, who were writing code. And, you know, and often, you know, the, the transition from being a contributor to be a manager, you know, people... Uh, try and often get stuck using the same behaviors that made them successful when they were a contributor, when they were trying to be a manager. And often you need to flip your emphasis. Instead of measuring your success in the amount of output you create, stories you deliver, features you ship, your success becomes helping other people deliver and improve their practice and get better rather than you do all this work. So, you know, these are very simple like examples about where we often get trapped And we have to recognize that maybe we need to let go of some of the behaviors that made us successful in our last role and innovate the way we work to be successful in our next role. Yep, it's a very interesting story. And for me, this is uh, very important because especially in Four Week MBA, uh, we focus on uh, business model innovation. And uh, as, you know, uh, innovation, especially in the business world, is sort of accelerating in, in in the last decade or so. Uh, it, it has become very important actually to analyze uh, ourselves and our businesses uh, uh, continuously because what happens is that you know a business model which may be uh, 
may be effective, uh, you know, a decade ago, maybe not effective today, or like, you know, um, uh, so we need to make sure that we, we keep, um, you know, we, we keep analyzing the, what's happening to us and our organizations. And in, in your book, you actually men- mention uh, the learning organization. Uh, why is it important to actually understand uh, a learning and the learning process? Well, I think, it's, you know, the, in 1990s, uh, Peter Singh published uh, his book, um, The Fifth Discipline, which was the art and practice of learning organizations. And that concept sort of exploded into the world. Everybody was becoming a learning organization and sending people to Stanford, Harvard, Cambridge, and Oxford to get these certified learning organization leadership programs. Um, But it it was interesting because at the same time, while Singh was talking about learning organizations, another mention of by Bo Henberg talked about unlearning. So the interesting thing is, while knowledge grows, it sort of simultaneously becomes obsolete as reality changes. So understanding involves both learning new knowledge, but discarding obsolete or misleading knowledge. And Bo Henberg sort of described this as a process of both learning and unlearning. And what most people forgot or missed that trick with learning organizations is they thought it was just about doing more stuff. But what the real trick is to recognize what's not working and let go of and then incorporate new things to help you learn at speed what works and what doesn't. And, you know, the the reason I think you see this huge disruption happening in business models is for a long time, companies didn't recognize that pattern. Like even in 1990, when Singh's book came out, the largest organizations in the world were big organizations that scaled through hiring people, being number one in their market, building a moats around their business that they had high barriers to entry. Um, and, you know, even, even in 2008, that was still the case. The largest companies in the world were Exxon, General Electric, Microsoft, AT&T. But now if you look today, the largest companies in the world have fundamentally shifted the way that they work. They're building these platforms that allow them to both learn what works and unlearn the behaviors that are not working for their customers and rapidly innovate at speed. So the reason companies like Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, and Facebook are powering ahead of the competition is they've recognized that they can scale through technology infrastructure rather than people. They've built platforms that allow them to learn at huge fidelity, high accuracy about what features customers use and don't use, what features work and don't work. So they're learning and unlearning at the same time. And that's allowed them to have an exponential impact relative to the rest of the organizations in the world and truly sort of out-innovate them, both in business modeling, product design, process delivery, and customer delight. Great point. But is it uh, this, uh, this process, uh, this uh, disruption happening just at uh, organizational level or like it's more at individual level? Yeah, so what I always say is uh, disruption doesn't happen to organizations. The truth is it applies to individuals. You see, because organizations are just led by individuals. And often what happens is people get into leadership roles and they believe that the things that made them successful in the past will continue to make them successful in the future. People with 20 years experience in a certain industry start to fall into the fallacy that they're an expert, that they know everything. 
But technology is changing. Customer demand is changing. The world is changing all the time. So you've got to have a system to continuously adapt your behavior to changing circumstances uh, that you're facing. And, you know, when you think about the best leaders of the world, they've cultivated a capability within themselves to innovate and adapt or even anticipate the future. They, they invest in experiences that enable them to grow. So they seek situations that are uncomfortable, uncertain, and the results unknown. They're experimenters. They're constantly trying new things to find out what works and what doesn't. And when you pair that mindset with the, te- the ability to leverage your technology to help you experiment at speed, I think that's where you see the rise of people like Jeff Bezos, who is continuously trying new things for Amazon to see what works and what doesn't, and the massive success that they're realizing as a result. Yeah, and they may be given for granted, but uh, you know, Amazon, Google, other companies are very, very fast in actually uh, killing what uh, is not working and actually very fast in trying to, um, as you say, uh, learn. Uh, the Because, for instance, uh, if you think uh, for a company like Google, uh, which is Alphabet, of course, uh, it's very hard to keep innovating and uh, you might get stuck in your business model, but you need to, to actually uh, to make sure to understand where the future is going. And as you said, uh, which is, I think it's a, a very critical point, success is a, actually a, a bad teacher, I think, in the, in the book, you mentioned it, and I think probably it's probably something that uh, Bill Gates has said, or if I remember well. Uh, so that's why you need the system, and uh, that's why learning is so important. And you have a framework for that. So how does unlearning the cycle, the cycle of unlearning, work um, specifically? Yeah. So what what I was constantly finding with these leaders is you know, that when they start to recognize that they're not living up to the expectations that they have for themselves, or they're not achieving the outcomes that they wanted, they were signals that they needed to unlearn. Their behaviors were not driving the outcomes that they want. You know, and and often how I try and explain this to people is, just like a product has features, and you've got to continuously innovate your features to stay relevant in the market with your product, humans have behaviors. So you need to continuously innovate your behavior to stay relevant in the market. And I think leaders sort of understood this. And so when they sort of recognized when they needed to unlearn, what we would do then is take a next step of relearning, teaching them new skills, strategies, behaviors, where they could experiment with these by thinking big and starting small and experiment with all many behaviors they could find the behavior that started to drive them in the direction that they wanted and get some of the breakthroughs that they were aiming for. And, you know, breakthroughs are really this ability to recognize new information, uh, new perspectives. And, and that's what sort of starts to shift your behavior is you get these new behaviors, they get new insights, new information, which impact your mindset. And then you can start to go through this process. It's not a one and done cycle. You don't unlearn once. It's really a system that you need to continuously adapt your behavior to. And that was a really exciting moment for me because then I started to realize, well, if this is a system, that means we can define it and then we can start to teach people how to use it. And I've been coaching now senior executives from Fortune 500 companies right through to scaling startups here in San Francisco, this program and process for the last three or four years. And now I've started to build an application where people can actually use this software 
to teach them how to continuously innovate their behavior to changing circumstances. So it's been amazing to see the impact um, of this system. And as you say in the, in the book, there's lots of case studies from Capital One and NASA and the National Health Service in the UK where they've had these exponential business results as a result of adopting this process. Um, and it's been a pleasure to be a part of it. Yep, interesting. I want to emphasize that, uh, you know, as you said, a learning is not a one-time thing, it's a process, it's, a pre- it's actually it's an ongoing process. And uh, the first step is probably really uh, awareness. And uh, what are, in your experience, some of the, 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 the key uh, obstacles uh, to, to unlearning? Well, I've noticed that there's a number of characteristics that you've got to cultivate within yourself if you want to unlearn. And the the first one is sort of curiosity. And, and, you know, the reason I say curiosity is because it's about getting new information, new information to challenge your existing perspective and mental model of the world. Now, my example of, well, everyone tells me they're curious, but, you know, the challenge I put to people is, you know, when's the last time you gave someone on your team who is maybe less experienced than you or new to the group a problem to work on that you knew how to solve? And then they started to solve it in a different way than you would. What was your initial reaction? Did you stop them and tell them, no, you need to do it this way? Or were you curious enough to understand why they're solving problems in a different way? You know, one of the executives I worked with at one of the world's largest banks, he used to go and sit with graduates when they were hired in the company. And he would pair with them and and get them to sort of ask questions like, what new technologies are you using? How, how can we solve problems that I've had that you might do in a different way before? So he used to role model this curiosity in the company. This is of someone who's running a multi-billion dollar portfolio, sitting down with graduates who are starting on their first day so he could both learn and unlearn with them. So how curious are you really? The second one is ownership. And this is more about uh, owning the outcomes of your efforts. You know, often what I find is when people are trying to do innovation and they're struggling and it's not working out, they often will say, well, we would have been successful if it wasn't for that person or another team. And really, you know, if you want to be serious about unlearning, you've got to own the results. You got to recognize that the only behavior you can change is your own. So whatever results you're getting, you've got to own them and adapt your behavior to start to succeed. And then the second part or third part is about commitment. It's like trying, you're going to try things that you're not good at. So you have to really commit to sort of sucking at stuff for a while and deliberately practicing getting better and taking on more challenging uh, steps as you go, which means you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And none of your growth is going to happen inside your comfort zone. It's just going to be on the edge where your feet are sort of just touching the ground as you're floating in water. And, and the way you get people comfortable being uncomfortable is you create safety. So safety is about thinking big and starting small. So you learn fast what works and what doesn't. Starting small also makes it safe to fail. You know, you have high psychological safety because you can try out new steps and not feel foolish. Uh, working in, in small steps allows you to sort of learn quickly what works and what doesn't. And small steps also have small risks. So you invest in getting information to inform what you're going to do next and and iterate. So these are sort of the key characteristics I often say to people. Uh, And I sort of summarize it in thinking big, starting small, and learning fast. 
but being aware that you need to be curious. You've got to own the results. Be committed to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and create safety to succeed. Very interesting. And one thing that probably is one of the uh, mistakes, or I don't know how to define it, that you might be finding is that uh, usually, especially when you are a successful manager or, or executive and you go to other organizations, you try to apply the same models to those organizations. So most likely there is a, a, a model that works for uh, any kind of organization, which is the, the status quo uh, leadership. Uh, what's that and why uh, it might be actually um, bad for organizations? Well, the, the danger is when people are successful in one company or context, they sometimes believe that they can sort of copy and paste the same behaviors that made them successful in that context and company into another. You know, you'll often see when people move companies that they start implementing all the same practices they had in their last company because it's comfortable for them. They know how to manage that type of system. They know how it works. They know how to manipulate it. Uh, but often those systems aren't the ones that are going to be most successful for an organization. You really have to adapt your behaviors to the context and the company that you're in uh, to be successful. Uh, you know, and this is one of the dangers we see a lot at the moment with these huge scaling frameworks. You have organizations that are just copying these massive frameworks from books and trying to just print them onto these complex systems that companies are. Uh, and you're never going to get the same performance improvements that you expect when you do that. You'll cause a lot of activity, but does it actually drive any business outcomes? So, you know, a lot of what I focus on, especially when I'm coaching leaders, is they need to get good at defining outcomes, what they're aiming for, recognize where their behaviors or existing behaviors are not living up to those outcomes, and then start to relearn new behaviors to try and drive the outcomes that they want and get the breakthroughs that they need. And as you start to teach people how to continuously innovate and adapt their behavior, then it starts to be less of a concern what the problems are because they have a system to continuously innovate based on the problems they're given. And what I've seen when working with teams like that is that they have exponential benefits and extraordinary results because you're teaching the team both how to learn but unlearn, recognize when behaviors are working and not working and innovate and adapt. And I think based on the world that we're in, the pace of change that we're facing. I think teams that are able to adapt are, and have adaptive capability are much going to be outperform teams that are copying processes and trying to execute processes out of books or scaling frameworks or templates. Yep, and in the book you actually mention also a model which is called the three-culture model uh, where... You know, you can you can actually probably use to understand when you're building a, a successful culture within your organization. Uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, so a lot of this is uh, done by the work of Ron Westrom, and and Ron was basically studying uh, behavior, sort of economics in organizations, specifically in healthcare, and um, and he sort of categorizes organizations into three types. You have pathological, bureaucratic, and generative. Now, pathological environments are where people use knowledge as power. Um, they seek to blame people when there's failures. Um, bureaucratic organizations, again, is they, they create lots of processes to ensure that failure never happens. And if a failure does happen, they look to see who didn't follow the process. Where in generative organizations, it's about 
seeing knowledge and information is free, that everybody can access it. And if everyone has good information, they're going to make good decisions. Uh, but they also recognize that nobody can often anticipate when failures are going to occur. So when failures do happen, they're seen as new information to help the system get better. And that's why you find with these organizations that are powering ahead, like Amazon and so forth, is they're making it safe for people to gather new information. They build these platforms where they, you can safely experiment with customers to find out what works and what doesn't, uh, roll back changes that don't work, and double down on changes that do. So they're never, you know, they're going to find out things, unexpected things, things they thought were true, maybe validate them. But they're, they're, the concept of failure is seen as a step on the way to progress, that you've figured out something that doesn't work and you'll progress. Not that it was somebody's fault and they should be brought out and fired or reprimanded for trying to learn what a customer might potentially want. And then they've systems in place to allow them to learn that safely and cheaply. Yep. And um, in, the, in the book, you also actually um, help leaders understand when it's time to actually start this unlearning process, which is, you call them unlearning prompts. What, what are they? How do they work? Yeah, so, so my definition of unlearning, because a lot of people get quite upset when I say oh, you need to unlearn because they feel like um, I'm saying that everything they know is wrong. And that's not correct. Like I said, it's a system. It's about recognizing when, when you need to change the behaviors to drive the outcomes that you want. You don't forget them. So I describe it as unlearning as moving away from once useful mindsets and acquired behaviors that were successful in the past, but now might be limiting your success. It's the conscious act of letting go of outdated information and actively engaging and taking in new information to inform your decision-making and action. So it's a system of both learning and unlearning, recognizing what works and doesn't. So how do you know you need to unlearn? Well, the simple thing is, say there's a situation where you're not living up to the expectations you have for yourself. Or maybe you've defined some outcomes that you're not achieving. Maybe you're struggling to resolve a problem. You've tried everything that you know and you're still not getting the results you want. Or there's an area that you're just totally avoiding altogether because you're struggling with how you even solve that problem. They're all signals that you probably need to unlearn, that your existing behaviors are not driving the outcomes that you want, and therefore you're going to have to relearn new behaviors to try and get you there. So this is why this idea of unlearning is an essential but sort of over, overlooked step of being able to learn. And what I've figured out over time is that unlearning is just as important as learning. And recognizing when you can identify those limiting behaviors, not achieving the outcomes that you want, relearn and break through, that's what leads to extraordinary results. Yeah, is, there, is there a number one reason uh, for which people don't actually unlearn? like the most important reason why people don't start this process? I think what happens is it's hard for people to recognize or own that their behaviors are not driving the results they want. Often when people don't get the outcomes that they want, very rarely do they look at themselves to say, what could have I have done differently? They often sort of focus on factors that they mightn't be in control of that led to failure. And really, the, the problem there is you've got to really flip that mindset. That needs to be unlearned. You have to recognize that 
the only way and the only person you can really change is yourself. And by constantly trying to adapt your behaviors to get the results you want, eventually you'll get the breakthrough that you need. And as your team and your peers see you start to constantly change your behavior, they'll get inspired and they'll be willing to try and change their behaviors too. And getting good at defining outcomes that you're aiming for together, so you have a clear sense of what success is and where you're trying to go, would be the other key part that I'd recommend. It's sort of a minimum requirement if you're going to try and tackle this stuff. Yep. And I guess probably the, a key step, it's really to uh, actually build up this uh, growth mindset, which enables you to actually understand that you can uh, improve in the process of, of, uh, of learning. Um, and what are some of the key conditions to actually uh, go through this and learn, relearn and breakthrough process? Or what are some like probably few key conditions for, for those uh, things to happen? Well, you know what I've, I've definitely learned when I ask anyone, do they have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Nobody tells me they've got a fixed mindset. But the interesting thing is a lot of people do. And what happens is when you're very successful at what you do, you're used to getting great results. You're used to being given problems that you like. You have great processes to solve those problems. And then you get the results. And you get confident that you're great at getting results. Say you're a product manager and you're great at building products. All your products get launched and they're successful. Now, when you start to ask people then to do different things, so say you were a product manager for an e-commerce website, but now you're going to ask somebody to move into a new role. Can you be a product manager for, uh, let's just say, a hardware device? And a hardware device that has to connect to lots of other different pieces of hardware and software to make sure that it's delivered on time. Now, that is sometimes a tougher or more complex problem, and maybe a problem you don't like. So the processes that you've used previously mightn't actually be the best processes to solve that problem. So now you're in an environment where it's a difficult problem that's unknown and unstructured for you. You don't really have a clear process of how you're going to use it. So the results that you're used to getting are in jeopardy. And then people really start to react to that. They, they start to get concerned because they're used to getting good results. And really one of the big shifts in learning and unlearning are growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets is you have to recognize and reward the effort. If you focus on results, people won't do things that they won't get good results in. That's a fixed mindset. So, and you know, you see this with your children. If your children does like swimming and you constantly tell them you're great at swimming, you know, anything that they do that might jeopardize them from not being great at swimming makes them nervous rather than rewarding them for saying, wow, that was a great effort. You dived in the pool. You looked like you, you were having fun. Brilliant. I wonder what else you can do. And the same is true with people. So I think recognizing as you change your roles, as you start giving bigger, harder problems to solve, often your first pass through a problem and a process and a result won't be what you expect. You're going to have to do things that you've never maybe done before that don't work for you or new skills. 
and recognize that the result isn't about success or failure anymore. It's about new information and using that information to inform how you redefine your problem, how you try a new process and get another result to see if it moves you in the direction or the outcome that you're aiming for. And that, again, is a huge shift for a lot of people. But this is sort of the real point of growth versus fixed mindset, learning and unlearning, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and sort of choosing you know, a different path, courage over comfort to tackle uncertainty and grow yourself as a result of taking on those challenges. Yep, and this is not uh, an easy path, even though, you know, um, it requires a lot of uh, mental effort, of course. And let's uh, close this up. Uh, I'd love to know, um, you know, from you, uh, what suggestions do you have for executives that are trying to actually uh, bring this process inside their organizations? Yeah, so my start, think big, start small, learn fast. So thinking big is about trying to transform your organization. It's really tough. But you can start small and start transforming yourself. So what I always say to senior leaders is, think about a place where you're not living up to your expectations, not achieving the outcomes you want, you're struggling, don't have an idea how to solve a problem. And then go and write that challenge down. And then go and find someone you trust. And ask them, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do they think your existing behaviors are driving results towards solving that challenge? And say that person says, give you, gives you a six. And then I want you to ask them, well, how can I just get half a point better? What ideas would you have that I could go from a six to a six and a half? And get them to brainstorm a few ideas with you. And then I want you to pick the one that's a little uncomfortable, not totally uncomfortable, just one that feels a little outside your comfort zone and try that behavior for a week. And then go back and check in with the person again and ask them, hey, you know, we, this is the challenge I was trying. Here's some new behavior I tried. On a scale of one to 10, how would you think that that's impacted most trying to solve that challenge? And then ask them again how to get half a point better. And I guarantee you, if you get into that process, that system, you'll be amazed with some of the results you achieve. Thanks a lot, Barry. So just to remind everyone that is, uh, is going to be listening, think big, start more, and uh, learn fast, which is, you know, this is, I guess, a mantra that uh, we need to repeat over and over. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. And of course, anyone should be reading a learn, a learn which is a key to understand how to get into this process uh, as quickly as possible. Thank you, Barry. You've been listening to the Digital Business Models Podcast, created by 4WeekMBA.com, the leading source of business insights for those wanting to become digital entrepreneurs. Go to 4WeekMBA.com for more top-tier business education.